Good evening, everyone. It is one thing to believe that there is a God who is Lord Yahweh and who reveals his character to us, as Tom shared with us last week. It is another thing to relate to him. Over lockdown, we were live streaming our services. Um, We still are in our morning service, but it brought me really great joy quite near the beginning of lockdown when we lined up the branding and began introducing people who were speaking. It would say things like Patrick Bateman, vicar, Ada Rugg, children and families minister, Tom Hill, talks about football too much. And um, it was really great to be able to introduce people. How is God introduced to us through scripture? Is it as a heavenly policeman who is just trying to keep us in order? Is it a celestial Father Christmas who's only interested in us if we are good? And what about as pure energy in and of itself? Tonight is about discovering one way in which God is introduced to us and how we can relate to him. I'm going to share what it is to call God Father. What it means to see revealed in scripture that we have a divine Father, a really good Father who loves us and is pleased with us. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in the position, like I have, when someone comes to you to tell you a joke, but you've heard it before. And you have about a split second in which to say, oh, yeah, 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 I know that one, and stop them. (laughs) Or you nod, and you smile, and you wait for the punchline and laugh at all the right bits. And when you stand there, and you hear a joke that you've heard before and you laugh and you nod and you smile along. If you've been around church for a while now, that might be what it's like for you. That might be what it's like for you when I stand up here and tell you that you have a good father who loves you. You may be one of those who, whose response is, yeah, I know. Do I really have to sit here and listen to Holly talk and tell me about something I've heard already? Maybe you grew up hearing it. It's in the songs that we sing, isn't it? And we think we know it. But the truth is that although we think we know it and we like the idea of it and we enjoy singing songs about it, are we living in it? Are we living in that truth? Now, this isn't old news for everyone. I know that there are people here who are new to church or uncertain about their faith and exploring. And if that's you, I am so glad that you are here. My prayer for tonight is that we can leave here with a whole lot less, yes, I've heard that one before, or isn't that a dead fact about Christianity? And a whole lot more, wow, you are my father and you love me. For those of you who like a bit of structure, why is God called father? What can cloud our understanding and experience of this? And what does Jesus have to do about it? There's a flavor of where we're heading tonight. God revealing himself as father means that something about our human understanding of what a father should be like 
reveals something of God. We all have this perception of what a father should be like. And at the beginning of the service, you may have got a QR code handed to you, and you may have decided to take that link to the website and add a word to answer the question, what should a father be like? So let's take a look at those responses now. I'm gonna read some of them out for us. Oh, it's coming. It's on its way. Hey, wow, you guys did lots of responding. Thank you so much for engaging with this. Okay, so every word up there, one of you guys has contributed. And the bigger words are the ones that were said more often. So this is a bit about our perception of fatherhood. I'm going to read a couple of them out. Encouraging, nurturing, reliable, protecting, helpful, caring, kind. And what's the big one that really stands out? Loving. This is our perception of what a father should be like. And when we look at scripture, we can see that the Bible says something quite similar. There are a load of attributes that the Bible talks about that our father God has and is like. He is strong. He is forgiving. He is good, righteous, caring, powerful, This is what our father is like. And being a loving father, that big word that we all came up with, it doesn't mean that he always gives us what we want. Sometimes we are in negative patterns of behavior and we need discipline and that is part of love. Knowing God as my father It's not my big story, okay? And the young people in the room, they can probably tell you my big story as well as I can. Um, It's not my big testimony that I would share if someone asked me why I'm a Christian. But it is, it has been a journey for me for over the past 10 years since I became a follower of Jesus. It's not my big story, but it has been a journey of God showing me more and more how much he loves me like a father. For some of you, that might be your big story. Now, my own dad, he was a wonderful guy, is a wonderful guy. Uh, He has his moments. I mean, we do clash from time to time. But generally speaking, he is loving, he's affirming, he's kind, and he's patient with me. And he has really had to be. He has this thing, though, and he's been doing it since I was about 15 or so where he says something along the lines of, I'm not worried about you, Hall. You'll be fine. You'll turn out all right. And when I first heard him say this, I loved it. I mean, what acceptance. He wasn't fretting. He trusted my decisions and my reasoning, my ability. He wasn't worried about me. But we have an enemy. And Satan is a liar. And one of the lies that Satan wants us to believe is that God doesn't really love us like a father. And for me, what that looked like was taking one of the good affirming qualities in my dad that I just shared and twisting it and reflecting it back on God the Father. So one of the lies that I have been fed over the years is that God, my heavenly father, he's not really 
interested in me. He loves me in a kind of, I love all my kids kind of way, but not fiercely and passionately loving me. And God has shown me gently, kindly, just how much I am loved, just how much he chooses me and is kind to me in everything that he does. And maybe you can relate to this. Maybe something about your relationship with your dad has been warped into how you see your relationship with God. Good qualities or bad ones, the enemy will try and get a foothold. And for you, I have no idea what your dad was like. You may have had a great dad, a rubbish dad, an absent dad. But I know this, we see revealed in scripture God-inspired words that you do have a heavenly father who loves you and who is good and whose love is never going to run out on you and he will never give up on you. And that truth needs to not be the punchline of a joke that we've heard before that we smile and we nod at. It needs to be the bottom line, the foundation that we live from. Last week, Tom spoke to us from the book of Exodus in the Old Testament, and he read a passage where God reveals himself as Yahweh, the Lord. And that was the most commonly used name for God in the whole of the Old Testament, Yahweh, I am who I am, I was who I was, I will be who I will be. And often, more would be revealed about God and his character by adding words to that root name, Yahweh. So we get names like Yahweh Elohim, one but more than one, a glimpse of the Trinity, which is coming later in this series. And then Jesus came. And the most common name for God is no longer Yahweh, as in the Old Testament, but Father. She came in this morning as well, didn't she? It's Father, as revealed in the New Testament. And time and time again, throughout his ministry, Jesus bases his arguments and his teaching on God revealed as Father. From the beginning of the New Testament, right, to the, way, right the way to the end, it's presented so frequently, over 250 times, that God's fatherhood is a central feature of our faith, the second line in the Apostles' Creed. And if we really want to get this, if we really want to get that God is our father, and not just any father, not our own experience of fatherhood, then we just need to look at Jesus. Jesus knew, he really knew what it was to be loved by his father God. And one of the reasons Jesus came was to put a face to grace. Now, I don't think I'm the first person to say that, but he came to put a face to grace. And what that means is Jesus came to say, this is what the kindness of God looks like. If you want to know what love is, look at me, Jesus says. If you want to know what the Father is like, look at me. In John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus says, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And in John chapter 10, verse 30, he says, I and the Father are one. If you want to know, Jesus says, look at me. When Jesus came, 
revelation of the Father became personal. Did you know personally that you have a Father in God? And do you not just know it, but do you experience it? Do you feel loved like that? That not only this picture of what we all think that fatherhood should be like, but the attributes of God the Father revealed in Scripture that we looked at, relating, that relating to him as a child of God, that all of that is for you personally. And just like in the Old Testament, God's nature is revealed by adding words to the root name. So with God's fatherhood in the New Testament, he is called the Holy Father, the Righteous Father, the Father of Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the Father of glory, the Father of light. The whole of our Christian faith hangs on our knowledge of God. And the whole purpose of our faith is that we might know him accurately, intimately, and personally. God is a father who loves his children and acts to redeem them. We're going to hear a passage where Jesus is talking to his friends, his disciples, about Father God. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God's, God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Maybe you've heard that passage before. And maybe you haven't, but if you have, maybe like me, you've read it, but you've heard something different. You hear these undertones that aren't there, like when you watch a movie and everything looks fine, but the soundtrack is whirring and you know things aren't quite as fine as they seem. And rather than responding to the words written here, you respond to what's going on inside of you instead. Because I do worry. I do worry about what I'm going to wear. I look great tonight though, don't I? I do worry about what I'm going to eat. And I worry about all kinds of things. And here, Jesus is saying, don't worry. And I can hear that undertoned soundtrack saying, but you do worry and therefore this doesn't apply to you and therefore he's cross and therefore all kinds of things. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Thanks, James. 
That's the very next verse. Jesus is saying here that there's a root fear under some of our other fears. There's something that we worry about that's right at the heart of all our other worries that maybe he's not good and maybe he's not a good father. And because we don't always get that he's good, all kinds of other worries can take over us. And yet in that one verse, we can so easily miss the tenderness. Little flock, dear ones, it actually says in another translation. He is pleased to give you the kingdom. He's not standoffish, arms folded, head to one side, saying, not again, Holly. Jesus reveals to us what the Father is like. And when we look at Jesus, we see someone who knew what it really was to be loved and live free because of that knowledge. That's what it looks like to live and not be worrying about missing out on the love of God. Would it change things for you if you knew that he loved you and that because Jesus, because of Jesus, you are his precious child and that love's not going to be taken away? Would it change your people-pleasing, maybe, or craving for likes on social media or editing that photo just right? Maybe it would change our risk-taking or our guilt and our fear. Maybe it would change how you felt about yourself. When we get this, it does change things. Truths about who God is change us. And I don't say this as someone who has it all figured out, but as someone who can look at Jesus and see what's available in him. What Jesus says is, he says, don't just look at what I have. Don't just look at all the security and just admire it from a distance. Because of the cross, this is for you too. 1 John Chapter three, verse one says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. It's not portioned out. It's not a little bit for you and a little bit for you and don't eat it all at once. It's lavished on us. His heart is for us. It's for you. Let's look to Jesus, the face of grace and see what the Father is like. His great love poured out. That's the bottom line.